What is going on, everybody? The Air It Out podcast is upon us once again, brought to you by Inside the Hashes, insidethehashes.com. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that social media stuff. If you go there now, you'll be able to find the selection show that we did on, what was that, Sunday night? Sunday night. night. Yeah, uh, where we figured out where we were drafting for our big old fancy fantasy league that we've got going on. That draft is going to be on September 2nd, and one of us in this mix, Christopher Thomas, Avery Collins, Tyler Brando, and uh, Kevin Crockett here is drafting number one. Avery, so tell us, who are you taking? <laughs> You'll see. I mean, you can tell us. It's the first pick, so it's not like anybody's going to jump ahead of you or anything like that. Just go ahead and spill the beans. Yeah, double-check. You can't trade up or down. You'll see. You could always do one of those little draft and swaps. Just be like, oh, I took them and I didn't like them. And then I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm going to pick seven, so I feel I comfortable where right I am. I right now who I'm picking. Julio Jones, uh, number that, one. That should be the case. Uh, so we <laughs> press on with the NFL. Rolling right along, we are through the second week of the preseason. And uh, no shortage of storylines. Maybe the biggest one so far this week. Very familiar face in a backfield. Adrian Peterson coming back, getting another chance to play. He is signed by Washington, who has been riddled with injury in their backfield. Darius Geis out for the season there. They're a big-time draft pick. Samaj Perine is out. Byron Marshall is out. So AP is going to get his shot to play. Uh, I guess I'll start right off the bat. There's a lot of running backs that are out there on the market right now. Chris, I'll kick it off to you. Is Adrian Peterson a good signing for Washington? Um, considering all the injuries, he is a good signing. However, production-wise, I would have to say no, especially after what we saw last year. I understand that the Saints weren't really an ideal system for him. However, then he got a chance to prove himself in Arizona. He did have one good game. Then after that, he had a lot of average games, and he was out for the remainder of the season. The problem with Washington is, is that they can't get out their own way with injuries, especially the offensive line. They've been decimated for injuries, like over, especially over the past two years. If that line can stay healthy, if Trent Williams can make it through a game without having a back injury, then I think some running game can come from Washington. But I'm not expecting the old AP or MVP form Adrian Peterson in Washington this year. Avery? Um, I'm not expecting as Chris stated MVP Adrian Peterson. However from what I saw on film of him last season prior to you know uh, going out for the season I thought to myself this guy's got another thousand yard season. I mean he's that good. The fall off hasn't been so drastic like we've seen from running backs in the past that turn that age. I mean you got to think he had a year off essentially recovering from, from an injury and then another year off when he got suspended. So, I mean, I guess you can technically say he doesn't have the wear and tear of a, the typical 30-year-old running back. But at the same time, like I said, just from what I saw, I think he can, he can produce another 1,000-yard season. I think he still sparks a little bit of fear in defenders' eyes because you don't, you don't really know what you're going to get from him. I mean, like I said, he's, he's a running back who – Runs hard. He runs with power. He runs behind his pads, but he still has enough breakaway speed where you can't just you know let him get behind you. So I think if they feature him, it could be another thousand yard season. However, to Chris's point, I don't think that that's the case. I don't think they feature him. I think that he's just a band aid on a really, 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 really uh, terrible situation with with their backfield. So. Okay, so tell me, so so you say a thousand yards is is a possibility. So give me a realistic number. Adrian Peterson ends the season with blank yards. It depends if he's the starter and he gets twenty to twenty two touches a game. I'll say a thousand yards. Well, I'll tell you this much: the last thousand yard rusher in Washington under Jay Gruden was Alfred Morris, who touched the ball two hundred sixty five times 
and just broke 1,000 yards in 2014. Yardage for the leading rusher has actually gone down in the year since then. Alfred Morris, 202 for 751. Rob Kelly, Fat Rob, 168 for 704. And Samaj Perine actually led the team in rushing last year, 175 rushes for 603 yards. So, Chris, I'll ask you, what is a, a realistically good season for Adrian Peterson? I'd say about 700 yards and about seven touchdowns. I don't think he's going to be an every-down back. I think he'll be a two-down back because you also have to mention that Chris Thompson is probably going to be the primary third-back option for Washington with his ability to not only just in the running game but also like in the screen game as well. I think it's interesting because the way the NFL goes right now, okay, you got to be able to block. And historically, Adrian Peterson has not been a very good blocking no. back. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And Adrian Peterson has not been able to catch the ball very well. You have to be able to run a zone or a a zone in the stretch. Getting to the edges is really where the NFL is at right now. And that's not really Adrian Peterson's game. So I think it's an interesting fit. I think the word you use there, Band-Aid, I feel like is the right word to use. Because to your point, Chris, he did have that. I think it was his first game in Arizona Mm -hmm. last year. Everybody was like, "Uh uh-oh, AP's here. But unless Jay Gruden really plans to run a downhill type of scheme, I don't really know how much he fits in there. I certainly think 20 to 25 touches a game is lofty. And that's what I'm saying. I don't foresee that. I'm more so looking at he's probably going to get 15 to 18. But like I said, if he can get 20 to 22, I think he can get 1,000 yards. And the thing about it is I think a good coach will put his players in the best position to succeed. Alex Smith's strength isn't spreading the ball around. He thrives off of play-action pass. So I think, like I said, if they can tailor it to that and he can get 20 to 22 touches a game, then I think he can do it. But, I mean, to everybody's point here, like Chris said, I mean, you're looking at somebody who's a two-down back for the most part probably because, you know, he's not going to be featured on third down like that. Um, Like you said, as far as, like, his running style, it's the way the game is, like with the the jump cuts and the cutbacks, that that never really was his game. He's a a downhill runner who's got some speed. So And the one thing that – Kevin alluded to also is that he's not a really good blocker. He's not a really good catch blocker off the field, not good with the stretch runs, especially with the injuries that he's mm-hmm. accumulated over the past several seasons. Not to mention the fumbling issue. That's why I think that he's not going to be a true leading number one running back is because he never truly also fixed that fumbling issue as well. Mm. So uh, if you do the math real quick, I'd say Samash Perrine gets 175 rushes last year. Rob Kelly got 168 the year before. So they're leading rushers. The last two years, averaging somewhere between 10 and 11 touches a game. So so let's look at it like this. I think we all think AP still has gas in the tank. And realistically, I don't know any defender that will tell you as old as he is, still would want to see him in the open field. Like, he is just an absolute monster of a man. So I'll say it like this. Over, under, Adrian Peterson, 500 yards this year. Over. And the reason I say that is because, like I said, look at the quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins is spread it around quarterback. He wants the ball in hand. He, he wants to throw it 30, 40 times a game. I'm not saying that Alex Smith can't do that. I just don't think his game is tailor-made to do that. So I think they run the ball a little more. I'm going to definitely gonna go over. However, I'm going to disagree with the Alex Smith. He's just coming off his best career gear. Mm-hmm. He's going to have Jordan Reed healthy. He's going to have Josh Doxley. He's going to have Jamison Crowder. I think they, they also signed Paul Richardson also in the offseason. They're going to have weapons mm-hmm. on the outside in which they're going to have to respect Alex Smith's ability to throw the football accurately and also yards after the catch-wise, I think it's going to open up the field for Adrian Peterson. I think right last year, yeah, last yeah. year he he had like two good games in which he had over 100 yards, one with the Saints and one with the his first game with the Cardinals. I think AP can duplicate that, and he's already halfway there to 500. 
Right. The thing is, like I said, just because you have the weapons, because you think about it, in, in Kansas City, he had the weapons. Were they spreading the ball around? They tailor-made the, the system to his strengths. They ran the ball. He played off-play action. That's who Alex Smith is. When he was in San Francisco, they ran the ball. He played off-play action. And he has, he's had the weapons. He's had, you know, Tyreek Hill. He had uh, Jeremy Maglin uh, for a season. He had, you know, Kareem Hunt. He, he's had weapons. Travis Kelsey, he's had the weapons to spread the ball around. They just don't do it because that's not what we've seen from him. I'm, again, I'm not saying that he can't. I'm not saying that uh, Gruden won't change that. I'm saying that based on what I've seen in the history, I think they – will play to his strengths, run the football, play play action. Yeah, but you're also talking about Jay Gruden, who also got the best years also out of Kirk Cousins as well, which also accumulated the domino effect and which got him that all-guaranteed contract in Minnesota. You got Jordan Reed. You got you got Vernon Davis, who's still on his best day. is a pretty good uh, solid Oh, yeah, I agree. And he still has history with uh, chemistry with Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. You have a pretty good young wide receiver core, and you have uh, Chris Thompson, who's a good third-down option. You have plenty of options, and also mm-hmm. Alex Smith will come off a career year. I think he's going to have another 4,000-yard season. I think if the offensive line can hold up, to me, you're looking at the second-best team in the NFC East right mm-hmm. now. Now, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but again, look at the two quarterbacks we're comparing. Who's the more spreaded around quarterback? Like, even coming out of college, I figured that Kirk Cousins, he was a spread type of quarterback. I never thought that about Alex Smith. And even when he came into the league, the history shows that he's better suited throwing the ball anywhere between... Yeah, better suited and actually knowing how to do that is two separate different Again, things. Again, like I said, I, I, th- I believe he knows how to do it. I believe he can do it. I believe that in that system, if they decide to make it a system where they, they throw the ball more than they run the ball and if the, the balance leans more to, to the passing, I think he can be successful. I'm saying in the past we haven't seen it. And this is all speculation, of, of course. I just think that because they brought in somebody like Adrian Peterson, they're in their head thinking, let's – Let's pound the rock a little bit and see what we can get from this guy. Especially because, like you said, you got those weapons. You want to get those guys in the best matchups possible. So if you can run the ball first and second down and you're gaining good yardage, that bodes very well for our play-action quarterback. You know, you know, you mentioned, we'll you mentioned if they're going to get, try to get consistent with running the football. Football is a game that has always come full circle. It seems like you know, we, we call this the Aired Out Podcast because obviously the fancy thing to do in the NFL right now is throw it and everybody wants you to throw it and things like that. But the RPO kind of game has is reflective of that West Coast offense. Make mm-hmm. a quick, quick read, quick throw, get it out, let your guys make plays. Well, what if all of a sudden the, the Redskins are just ahead of us on all this and they just decide to go mm-hmm. I formation? They bring remember the fullback. You remember that position, yeah. the, the yeah. fullback. We just had a debate about that. And on, what if all debate. of a sudden, yeah, what if all of a sudden the Redskins are just ahead of the NFL and getting ready for that next wave to come in? And they're just ready to pound the football down your throat. And you have a quarterback that can make the, the West Coast offense, as the NFL does, always kind of seems to go full circle. But I, I think the other thing with the Redskins is, I mean, a team that has just been crazy injured the last few years. I mean, if you're a fantasy football holder, Jordan Reed, like you've got to be the most frustrated person because he'll come out him. and open uh, well, Everybody's had him. <laughs> everybody's, him. Taking, <laughs> everybody's taking that Jordan Reed prayer where you pick him up and you're like, all right, well, maybe he'll stay healthy for three or four games in a row and he'll put up two games where you're like, perfect. And then in the first quarter of that next game, he's... I'm stuck with Vernon Davis. He's out. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But to your point, again, you mentioned that Alex Smith and Vernon Davis have a little bit of a connection, so maybe they are just further he ahead. He hasn't been the same since Cam lit him up on the sideline. He hasn't been saying. Uh, he's still productive. He's still good. But 
He, he plays different. I believe they say that boy shook, <laughs> I think is what he they say. A so, uh, but what I've kind of taken away from this is Avery with that number one pick is going AP. For sure. And I got to think coming back around the bend on the snake, 24 is Alex Smith. So we have locked in Avery's top two picks. Adrian Peterson, the number one pick. You in guys the got it out of me. Football draft I'm impressed. This year. Uh, well, there's still plenty of time to change your mind and make a different decision. <laughs> uh, as the preseason is rolling right along through two weeks, we're getting ready to enter week three. The week where you kind of really see some things. You're not going to show the whole playbook, but typically the third week of the preseason mm-hmm. is where you're going to see the starters get in there. They're going to play a good amount of time. As fans of football, as far as preseason games go, this is probably the one you're the most invested in, and the game's not just background noise. So mm-hmm. I'm actually going to ask you guys through the first two weeks of the preseason, what's been the pleasant surprise? What have you been most excited to look into, to read about, to watch? Chris, I'll start with you. The Cleveland Browns offense overall. Mm. Tarod Taylor has been looking extremely sharp. Jarvis Landry's looking more and more like a number one receiver. Um, I like Halloway in the slot, and he's the reason why Corey Coleman got traded off to Buffalo to begin with. And more importantly, I've just been absolutely stunned by Baker Mayfield. You're seeing the reason why he was the number one overall pick. His ability to just make throws on every single level, his ability to stay in the pocket, go through all of his reads and progressions. And even just him just on the outside, on the run, that 126 comeback route to Callaway, which is absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, Carlos Hyde, he's been a lead back before his lead back in San Fran last year. I think it's going to be even more for a repeat of like 900 yards and like eight TDs this year. Mm. Todd Haley, Hugh Jackson, they have a lot of toys to play with on that offense. Mm. And if that offensive line can stay together, then Cleveland Browns are going to win some games. I think if you are a fan of a team or you're a coach of a team or you're especially an offensive mind of a team, Baker Mayfield's numbers early on, 18 to 33 for 287 and two touchdowns. So nomming up yards, like his completion percentage, obviously you'd like to be a little better. But to your point on the comeback throw, the first preseason game in Joku in the back of the end zone, like I think the one thing you just want to see from a quarterback is just willing to give you the shot. And I think that first game when he hit David Njoku with that touchdown pass, it's like, okay, I'm not scared to throw it. Big man, go up and get it. And as yeah. a receiver, you love that. Mm-hmm. Give yeah. me the chance to make the play. And as a coach, I think you think, okay, this guy's got cojones. He's not, he's not scared. Maybe you watch the film next time and say, okay, well, if it's not this 5'8 corner out there, if it's somebody else, you know, maybe if it's Richard Sherman out there playing defense, maybe you're trying to maybe throw it out of the back of the end zone. But I think as a coach, you look at him and you think like, okay, this, kid, this kid's ready to go. Avery, what about you? Uh, that, that's a good answer. Part of me wanted to go quarterback here. Like, I'm kind of impressed with how, you know, Josh Allen has been playing, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. I've been impressed by those three guys. But really the two standout things for me in the preseason, one is how defenses are playing Lamar Jackson. Like, I'll be the first to say that he hasn't been productive. But just the way that they are approaching playing him, it's funny, like, Granted, like I said, he hasn't been anything spectacular or anything. It's like, but they are already playing this guy like we cannot let him beat us. Mm -hmm. We cannot let him do anything to get a spark out of the offense. Mm -hmm. They're playing him like NBA teams get up to play LeBron. Mm -hmm. Like it it just doesn't matter if we lose or not. We got to get up for LeBron. Like we're going to give LeBron everything we got. Uh, Serena Williams said it best. She said, "I, I don't really watch film on people because. When they play me, it's a completely different game. Right, they from, get up for her. Yeah, they right. get up. They, they they do things I've never seen before. She's like, and that's why I have to be so great at all times. And I'm seeing that from what defensive coordinators and how defensive players are just approaching how they go up against Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. So that's fascinating. And 
Then two, I'm a homer. I'm very impressed with Isaiah Oliver, the cornerback um, that the, the Falcons drafted in the way he's played and transitioned. Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed with what I've seen from him on the field. I thought he would be like more of a two to three year project, but I think he can get on the field immediately. Like we have a pretty good secondary and I'm, I'm actually very curious to see how Dan Quinn's going to play it out. Cause you got Rico, you got Keanu, you got KZ, you got pool, you got true. You, their secondary is, is actually very, very shocking uh, to me. And like I said, the way Isaiah Oliver has transitioned to me has been seamless. So um, very impressed with that. Also, another thing that has really caught my eye, I was watching the Steelers-Packers um, game on week two, the Pittsburgh running back core. Even mm. with the absence of a Le'Veon Bell, I'd say that it was actually pretty impressive. And I was talking to my friend about it. If Pittsburgh can get this kind of production, because think about it, Le'Veon Bell a few years back was not available for the first few two games of the season. D'Angelo Williams came in and almost essentially matched the same that production. Was my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Great running, good running back. But if they can get that some similar production, like combined, even without the absence of Le'Veon Bell, then Le'Veon Bell is kind of playing himself in the free agency at this point. A question for the both of you: the Monday night preseason game with mm-hmm. Andrew Luck. Yeah. What are your thoughts, man? Because I saw glimpses of old Andrew Luck, and I saw glimpses of got to knock the rust off Andrew Luck. But the old Andrew Luck I saw, I'm like, watch out. Yeah, I, I think Andrew Luck just throwing period is absolutely just good for Indianapolis. But I think that one interception, like when it was on the sidelines, oh, I think yeah. it was a tip drop. That was just a bad. That was just a bad read. But those throws he was making, the zip, the pop, Andrew Luck is back. <laughs> I actually had his name down here as, as one of the things that I was most excited about in the preseason because seeing him take that hit from Terrell Suggs and getting mm-hmm. up health oh, has been nice to see in this. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, there are a lot of players who got hurt, but. I mean, there were some very key elemental pieces to teams. And, you know, I, I know you said you wanted to break away from the quarterback. But it's the sexiest position on the field. Like, you know, uh, but when you're missing Andrew Luck and you're missing Deshaun Watson and you're missing Aaron Rodgers and you can go on and on and on and on, uh, I think everybody, particularly Colts fans, saw Suggs come around the edge. I was terrified. And everybody was. <laughs> everybody held their breath. And he went to the ground. And he got up, and he had that goofy Andrew Luck look yeah, on his face yeah. that just is like, all right, everything's fine. Everybody take a deep breath. Move on. So I think for me, health is a big thing. And Teddy Bridgewater's slinging it oh my, right what? now. He yeah. is slinging it. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater so far in the preseason, <laughs> yeah. 17 to 23, 212, two touches and an interception thus far. Obviously not going to take anything away from Sam Darnold, who is killing it as well right now. 21 to 29, 158, a touchdown and an interception. But just in general, seeing the guys you want to see – be healthy, go out, perform, I, I think it's just great for football. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I say Deshaun Watson, I say Andrew Luck, I say Darnold, I say Bridgewater, and I come back to Bridgewater for a second because as he's been playing well, it seems pretty obvious that the direction the Jets are going to go is Darnold. I think the fan base wants to see Darnold, and rightfully so. Not yeah. to take anything away from Teddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But right now, there's a lot of teams that could use a good backup quarterback, and unfortunately, I mean, let's all agree, nobody wants to be the backup, right? Yeah. It's a weird situation going on in Tampa Bay right now. Yeah. And we're getting ready to head into the regular season, and you're going to have your previously franchise quarterback out the first three games who's owed a lot of money next year if you opt in to keep him here. Ryan Fitzpatrick is your backup, who is a serviceable backup quarterback, but certainly not the face of your franchise. If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you're the New York Jets, 
what is the price for Teddy Bridgewater to suddenly become the face of your franchise? Now, you could argue a team like Arizona, maybe could he beat out Bradford or could he beat out Rosen? Or There's plenty of teams that you think he could compete. I think if he gets traded to Tampa Bay, he's the guy. Right away, give him the keys. Let's see what we got with this kid. You got a one-year, $6 million contract. Let's try to figure it out. Obviously, the Jets have a lot of leverage here, and Tampa Bay would have to kind of concede with themselves that, okay, the, the Jameis Winston project era is over. If we're going to make this trade, it's probably going to cost something big, and we got to turn it over. So I'll ask you, if you're the Jets, what is your asking price for Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, obviously, the reason he didn't get re-signed in Minnesota, the word at the end of the year was that Zimmer and the staff with the Vikings were encouraged with Teddy, but weren't overwhelmed that this wasn't going to unfortunately be a part of his future again. So you're, you're betting on a guy who had a catastrophic injury and has played well since it's happened. I mean, what is the realistic asking price for Teddy Bridgewater? It's difficult. So you got a guy like Corey Coleman who gets shipped off for what? Seventh round. Yeah. Like and he was a first round pick. So, yeah, but you and he was healthy. Yeah, the so, quarterback action prices are completely exactly. different. You got to think Sam Bradford got traded for a first round pick, right? Like, just before the season starts, and he was hurt. So, uh, I and think, think about it. If I you're think a second, a second is a fair. Uh, Chris, go ahead. I, I'd definitely say second, and also it depends on how Tampa Bay feels. Like, is Teddy Bridgewater going to be enough for Jameis to get back and to compete for a playoff spot? Mm. If you're not 100% sure that you guys can make the playoffs even with the accommodations that you make for Teddy Bridgewater to come over there and for Jameis to come back, then why risk it at all? I think for me, and we, and we kind of touched on this last week, like I just don't think there could be a better story than Teddy Bridgewater getting a shot Agreed. and making it work. And again, we, we, we're talking about any of these quarterbacks. If Deshaun Watson is the MVP this year, if Andrew Luck is the MVP this year, if Aaron Rodgers is the MVP this year, that's terrific for the NFL. So yeah. fortunately, or should we say hopefully, all those guys can stay healthy and make this, uh, make this a big-time NFL season. I just want to throw this out there. Phillip Rivers is getting old. Eli Manning is getting old. I would not mind seeing Teddy Bridgewater on either one of those teams. Well, I guess the thing is, is are you... And I'm, I, I understand what you're saying because, you know, playing right now. Right. I'm just saying, like, for the future, like, if oh, you're looking sure. for a future quarterback... Sure, sure, and but... Two guys, and I'm not saying Phillip Rivers or Eli Manning or Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's 41 right now, and I know the competitive fire with Phillip Rivers, and... I don't see it going away. I don't care how many kids he has. I don't see that going away anytime soon. So how long is he going to want to run the show out well, there? You have to also consider that San Diego's like luck with when it comes to injuries. Like LA. Jason, Be- I'm at LA. Sorry, <laughs> but but like Hunter Henry gets hurt, Jason Bear gets hurt, Casey Hayward also comes back with an injury. They keep getting decimated with injuries. Who knows? Maybe bad luck might come to Philip Rivers as well. I mean, his back. He did have that back injury. So I mean, like I said, I'm not wishing bad on either one of the guys. All right, so here's a question I posed. Let's say the Browns take Saquon Barkley number one overall. Do the Giants at that point then take a quarterback, or do you think they take Bradley Chubb? So my thing is, if they were going to take a quarterback, if Saquon wasn't there, now they have Saquon, and you can kind of get that possible quarterback without having to, you know, use a first-round draft pick and everything. And Teddy Bridgewater, I think I'd do it. And you got to think that, if it wasn't for the Ravens trading back into the first round, who knows? Lamar Jackson might have been ended, mm-hmm. ended up as a New York Giant. That could. That yeah. could I, I've said this before. In five years, you could look back as a member of the NFC yeah. East and think 
Thank God the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> traded out of that pick because if Saquon and Lamar take off, Ooh, that would be a oh, fierce man. backfield to try to compete with. I myself was actually shocked. And everything said Saquon was going to the Giants. But when you have a new general manager come in, you have a new head coach come in, typically the first thing they do is they want to go out and hang their hat on a quarterback. If I'm going out, yeah. I'm going out with my guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they took Saquon number one, and we'll, we'll see how history yeah kind of writes itself from here but just one more thing before we wrap this up there was an epic you might find this one on espn classic uh later on this week madden game that took place between <laughs> chris and avery at our uh, selection show so Bruh. let's talk about the high scoring offensive vaunted attack affair actually uh who won the game remind me that'd be me yes and and up. and what was that score again a very convincing three to zero. Thank you very much. A dub is a dub. I don't care what you say. I got the win, and that's all that matters. My first time playing Madden 19. I'm I'm satisfied. And then I got another dub, like the next game. So, so you're two so and zero is what you're saying. Two and zero. That's all I'm saying. Chris, go ahead, defend yourself. Oh no, just enjoy your win. I'm just letting you know <laughs> the receipts are coming when it comes to fantasy football. Yeah, Listen, all I'm saying is if your Madden game is any indication on how you're going to play fantasy, I'm not afraid. So it is the Air It Out podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes, insidethehashes.com. Don't forget, we have got our draft. We're going to be doing it live on September 2nd, so make sure you are definitely tuned in for that. There will be plenty of trash talk for that. For Christopher Thomas, Avery Collins, Tyler Brando, I'm Kevin Crockett. Thank you so much for tuning in as we roll into week three of the NFL preseason with the Air It Out podcast.